Welcome, friends, to another episode of Geek Out Weekly. I'm Ben, I'm here with Adol. Hey! Hey! This episode, we're going to probably be calling you all dude and dudettes throughout most of it. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Bill and Ted film, Face the Music. That's Bill and Ted Face the Music. Bill and Ted Face the Music. Bill ampersand Ted Face the Music. Colons, Bill and- there hyphens in there. Who knows Actually, no, the weird thing is say. there's no colon. Mm. It's just Bill Ampersand Ted face the music. Yes. They, they they bucked the trend of Bill and Ted colon, I believe. <laughs> cool, good. A little, little point of reference there. Uh, before we get into talking about this film, we thought we'd just have a little uh, discussion about our thoughts, our memories, uh, and how we feel. About the the previous films, or even previous films, and the cartoon, Ooh, maybe. Uh, Adam, I'm going to throw, throw to you first. I know, I know. I'm throw I to forgot you first. all about the cartoon. Uh, also, the trend wasn't colon; it was Bill and Ted. Uh, Ted's right. It was yes, Bill it and was. Ted's excellent yes. adventure. Bill and Ted's bogus journey. But it's mm. Bill and Ted face the music. Uh, I watched these movies a lot growing up. Uh, one more than two, but it's yeah. they all they all kind of blur together, and I don't know if that's just because later on in life, um, I watched, I, I rewatched one more more than two. But I think growing up, uh, I grew up with two older sisters, um, and all of us loved the Bill and Ted movies. Uh, we, we it was a common thing. We just watched the crap out of these things, <laughs> uh, to the point where. I, I mean, I'm a, for those of you who don't know, I'm a philosopher by trade, um, and I have a hard time not re- reading in my head Socrates to this day because of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> and, you know, when you're teaching and or uh, students and you're trying to explain an actual point and your brain is like, don't say Socrates, don't say Socrates, don't say Socrates. Because <laughs> even if you if you mess up, they probably don't have this touch point. Yeah, uh, unless their parents, oof, um, shared it with them, and their parents like so. People in university in the past few years who are the ones I've taught are, are probably in the one spot where they might not be exposed to it because I know I have I know people who like are close to our age who have shown their kids mm. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but like most people who are now around 20 their parents might not have been fans maybe sure, maybe yeah, misjudging yeah. but like there's definitely a time where it is an intergenerational movie but in order for it to be passed down you had to be a fan at the time which means you Absolutely. had to be young enough yep to like appreciate the nonsense for what it is mm, mm. Um, I think, but yeah so i I, I love it yeah, and I think they've realized that maybe to, 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 to not to move on too quickly but they've, they've realized that with the new film. I think with the inclusion of certain characters, uh, they've realised that there is a bit of a generational kind of element there. Uh, you know, Bill and Ted um, are a lot older than say we are, yeah. so their kids, you know, they could be a bit older than they appear in the film, perhaps. Uh, but we'll get onto that. Yeah, in, in I mean, so just just to for if people don't want to do their own. Um... <laughs> Googling. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, the TV show, which was a cartoon, which was 13 episodes, was 1990. And Bogus right. Journey was 1991. So, like, they hit that um, that train running. Like, they, they knew, as Absolutely. soon as there's a success, they're like, let's make a cartoon and a sequel. Go, 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 go. Because it was the end of the 80s where you could make cartoons out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think the cartoon is actually where I came into Bill and Ted. Like my first exposure to it, I think. Um, I you know in in eighty nine I was like five, so I wasn't kind of you know the demographic of person watching that film at that time. Um, but I definitely came into the cartoon a little bit more, and then watched the films maybe when I was a little bit older than that as well. Um, but again, like you, I, I, I definitely watched one more than two. And I think, again, that my memories of both films are so intertwined, intertwined. with each other 
that it's hard to pick out and remember what happened where. And for this, for, for going and watching uh, the new film, I haven't been uh, and, and rewatched them. I didn't go and see any sort of like highlights or anything like that. I just, and as we kind of discussed, just went into it uh, trying to have, you know, the memory that I have of Bill and Ted now to then appreciate and, and watch this film with. Yeah, I mean, I also, I thought uh, when it first came out, I'm like, oh, this is a good excuse to watch one and two. And then when we just sort of talked about things we wanted to see that were more recent, uh, I was like, actually, I know, remember enough of this. I kind of want to see just, like, not standalone, obviously. It's kind of like, let's revel in the nostalgia goggles that this movie is trying to play into, obviously, just from the trailer and stuff. And not worry about whether, like, things that are from that time especially often a lot of jokes age really poorly and you're like i don't i don't want to feel any sort of nostalgia feel bads before this let's just like i remember enough of this you know i remember like the the vague plot of one and two are in my head i and like very specific scenes and like mm-hmm. lines pop out to me and the vibe so let's just go into that and that's sort of what i did for this one as well yeah yeah and i, I yeah exactly the same for me have you got anything you want to just bring up on the you know on the history of Bill and Ted or the films or anything before we launch into discussing the new film face music uh just just that um this was clearly like this was very much the producer and writer um wanting to find a way to do this and a lot of fans continuously outpouring support yeah um it, it's one of the few more grassroots type sequels we've ever we see nowadays mm. budget was i don't think was very big um but that's great because actually we'll get into like the cgi and stuff but like they knew they spent the money in the right spots and the rest yes. it, it made it, it i think the fact that it's riffing on a 1980s 1990s film that was also low budget films um makes the like when they use cheaper graphics or cheaper effects it's just fine mm. I, I think it's really like because it's sort of feels like the old movies in a certain sense yeah yeah which i thought was really really interesting uh you can get forgive it because it's it's living in the past in multiple ways but yeah, yeah that's absolutely. about it let's let's trundle forward perfect so uh for those of you who uh, haven't seen the film or don't know much about it uh the film kind of revolves around uh, uh and starts off with bill and ted still trying to search for a song right the song that's going to unite humanity and they which, which was the the basic plot of the first two is getting them to play the song or yeah. getting them on track so that they don't ruin history mm-hmm. and, and there's we... a time traveling phone booth but it's not doctor <laughs> who <laughs> well that was a police a police a police phone, phone booth. box yes yeah uh this is very much an american phone box yeah um well, I say American, North American. Is it the same in Canada? Are they completely uh, different? We, most places in Canada don't ha- didn't have closing phone booths. Oh. Like with a sliding door. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, roughly the same idea. Yeah, cool. Um, so Bill and Ted are, are, are much older. Um, I suppose, what are we now? We're 30 years on. So you'd put them in their late 40s as characters. Uh, maybe, maybe early 50s. Uh, I can't remember how old they are in the original films they've got to be about 20 Uh, i would guess no so the first film is literally them needing to pass their last term course in high school in english they are in school yes they're in high school and it's like a history paper and they end up going across time bringing like beethoven and napoleon and socrates Mm for this amazing presentation to the school of the final paper, because that happens. Yeah, yeah, uh, because, of course, they can't fail high schools, because if they do, Ted will get sent to military school by Mm -hmm. his police uh, chief at that point. Maybe not chief, but his his cop father. um, And then they will never, the band will break, Wild Stallions won't write the amazing song that unites Mm -hmm. humanity. Yes. So how old are you then? 18 when you finish high school in the states yeah depending on when your birthday is but yeah so like i was 17 but my birthday is in october and i started Mm. sort of instead of starting late i started early sure okay yeah yeah so Um, yeah yeah, half of my cohort were were 18 uh when we graduated um and so yes so they're in their late 40s roughly yeah and 
you kind of see them and uh, they're portrayed as, you know, having this sort of fall from grace, that things didn't go swimmingly following the last two films. You know, they, they, they hit a level of fame and it's all kind of been downhill from there. You're introduced to uh, their families and their daughters. Also, very confusingly, called Bill and Ted. But inversely. Yes, yes. They decided to so- name their daughter after their best friend, each of them. So technically, uh, it's Billy and uh, Theodora. Theodora, yes, but yeah. Bill and Ted. Um, and then awkwardly, as we just had a discussion about, noted as uh, Thea in the credits, when and you said maybe they refer to each other and call Thea Thea. Right. Ted. Yeah. But anyway, yes. Um, slightly awkward, as I say. Uh, but uh, Bill and Ted are uh, um, kind of brought back to the future. And told that they really got to find this song because otherwise all of reality is going to uh, uh, stop and implode. Um, yeah, so I thought that was interesting because what they did was um, uh, raise the stakes from make sure that humanity will continue to be a utopia, which was the last two films. Yeah. Um, to all of reality, but I think. Because of the nature of like action movies and superhero films, especially of like always ramping to the end of existence, yes. that was really smart. Normally, I, th- I think it's dumb to do that, but it it's done so because it's such a silly, fun movie. I think it makes it makes this like here are the standard stakes: all the reality will collapse, which is way bigger than the last one. <laughs> and but they like play into it because then they say. Like, the nexus point of reality's collapse is reality, right? Is yeah. Bill and Ted, is this 7.17 p.m. on this one day, um, I can't Sandimus. remember what day, but exactly in Sandimus. In Sandimus. Yep. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's dumb, because humanity <laughs> isn't, oh, right, this this movie isn't, like, it, it's very clear that they're raising the stakes and know it's dumb, and so they're not going to write around it or try and, make it seem reasonable they're just like yep for some reason reality is breaking and people are starting to pop in and out of time in different spots um because because the song isn't it needs to be played and they haven't figured it out yet Mm -hmm. which has also always been the hilarious thing about bill and ted because it doesn't it has this notion of like concurrent time with time travel which is a whole one of the big pieces of the movie, right, is that they have a watch that tells them what the actual time is in San Dimas, as if they couldn't... See, it's like, well, we took you at 5 p.m., and so you have two hours until 7.17, even though you're traveling through time, because that time is still moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you're like, what? Yep, this is this is my, my kind of, my biggest, not issue... But my biggest kind of mind-bending problem with it, it's its the whole kind of, just time travel in general. It's like, if you don't do this by this point, everything in the future is not going to exist. Reality kind of won't exist. But they're still able to travel into the future. To go and and look for, and this is part of it, they go to look for the song. Because they think, let's just go and get the song from our future selves. We must have done it. There's like this one timeline where it's continuously running, but if they go into the future, it's not a future of that timeline because if reality is stopped, then that future wouldn't exist. But they must be going into a parallel future. And my my, my well, mind so, is just sort of like, uh, yeah. I okay, mean, so sure. I mean, I, I mean, a bit of a spoiler. They, they, I think they just use throwaway lines of quantum physics to yes, just very much. Which, which again, uh, and I'm, we'll talk about who is the main theorizer of that later because i think it's it's worth talking about but again i think it's like hey movies are so bad it feels like they are living the trope and knowing it because it's mm. like movies just say techno someone has someone say techno babble and it's fine or we won't address it and we'll just keep moving on and and i think it works because this is a very fun rompy comedy yeah um uh yeah it, it's very dumb and it bothered me for a half second before the pedant in me just died as I was enjoying the rest of the film. <laughs> um, Absolutely. And, that, and it, it, again, for me, it wasn't constantly like, 
But how have they gone into, how, you know, every time they jump into that slightly uh, further future and see their future selves, but they wouldn't be there. It didn't, it didn't really kind of occur to me apart from that initial sort of thought. Yeah. Uh, and just be like, right, I'm not going to worry about it. They, they're not worrying about it. I'm not going to worry about it. It's yeah. The, uh, the, the one thing I will add, which is, uh, I did look it up while we were chatting. It's, Theodora Thea Preston and Wilhelmina Billy Logan. Oh. So Billy and Th- and Thea are actually their their nicknames for Theodora and Wilhelmina, which Wilhelmina is a really good reference to the fact that the the moms are princesses from medieval yep. Europe. Yeah. Anyway, uh I think we're going to have a lot of these weird twisty roundabout moments, but um yeah, so so they they have been banging their head against the song and are basically jokes um, from mm. huge fame uh, and they can't figure it out and their their marriage is breaking apart. They go to a therapist, which is a very fun scene, yes. uh, which ends with them, but which loops back when they, when they f- go f- two years in the future to steal the song from themselves to find out that they're divorced and they go back to couples counseling and that's when the future wives... Future princesses, for like from way where in the future, um, are taking the princesses on a trip through time to show them uh, all the ways the relationship doesn't work. Yep. So maybe they should just get divorced. Um, but I think it's it's a, this is the point where I think the themes of the original movie come back really well because the original movie is they want to be rock stars, mm-hmm. but they never learned to play. Yeah. Um. And the second movie is kind of about winning a Battle of the Bands contest, but they don't know how to play. Their wives know how to play instruments. They do not. Mm. And the way Bogus Journey ends is they disappear and they come bearing the two kids who are just babies in, like, baby backpacks. um, And they've got huge beards. And it turns out they just did intensive training and then came back in time. So so they beat the bad robots. Spoilers for Bogus Journey. There's a guy from the future who makes bad robot versions of them to ruin their their, their lives because he hates the way things are and thinks if he kills Bill and Ted or breaks up the Wild Stallions, then it'll all be okay. The future won't be this crappy place he doesn't like. So they they just deus ex machina via time travel, which is great, right? This, this is perfect. Um, yeah. So they, um, they come back... Uh, and they just know how to play. Like, they never do the hard training. Mm-hmm. And the beginning bit of the movie is showing their, like, through, like, a montage of, like, how they clearly know how to play. And they're really successful. And then yes. they're not. And then it cuts to Missy, uh, Missy's wedding, her fifth wedding or whatever, because she's married both their dads at one point. And is now marrying Ted's brother. It, and, and which is great. Because they had they had her float around between one and two, and so to like lead into that by having her marry her ex son in law, mm-hmm. yeah. But then they have Bill and Ted try and perform a song, and it's got like really, it's all it's them doing really hard things. Like it's not a good sound; it's an okay sounding song. Playing I actually, kind of theremin. Yeah, and doing very guttural throat singing. vocal throat singing. Yeah, yes. but like cyclical, yeah. cyclical throat yeah. singing and the theremin are two of the hardest things to learn, and they've learned it. So like they've done all the work, but they ha- don't have the creativity. Yeah. Um. And so it's like okay, so the wall they have at the, at the beginning of the movie is trying really hard but not succeeding, mm. versus the other movies where it's like trying to take the easy way out, which is we just want to be famous. We don't do the hard work. But then as soon as they're confronted with realities coming apart, they default to old Bill and Ted. Yes. Which re- so it's really neat because it introduces them as they've matured and grown up. They're trying their hardest. They're doing the work. Mm-hmm. But then when the – but because the plot is still a Bill and Ted movie, it has them immediately go back to let's cheat. Let's just go and get the song from another point in time when it's already written. Yep. Even though they had that – Revelation in the second film, and they went and put the work in and spent time, and then just came back in time to the point where they needed to. Without yeah. that kind of thought in their mind, as you say, they defaulted back to their younger days, being like, oh, let's just steal it off of our future selves, because obviously we've written it at some point, so it, yeah. it must exist somewhere. Um, yeah, it's... Uh... 
Oh, yeah, I thought that was really smart. So, so basically, we now have the wives, which we rarely see until the end, basically, going through time. We just see them basically appearing on the stops of, of Bill and Ted, yep. the, the older Bill and Ted, to sh- showing on their tour of how they're bad people, bad partners throughout time. Um, but when they, sorry, we sort of jumped a bit. So they come home from therapy. They realize things are bad, and that's when Kristen Shaw, who is Rufus's daughter, mm-hmm. comes back in time. Rufus being the guy who guided them, famously played by George Carlin. Yep. Um, she comes back to say, they want to talk to you. That's when they go to the future and find out, oh, you need to play the song at 717, and they get the magic watch that tells them that time is progressing in a weird way. Um, but when they come back, uh, so then they run off and they steal the old phone booth uh and Kirsten Shaw uh and Kirsten Shaw's mom uh there's a new theory that the way to save the, the future in reality is to kill Bill and Ted and they send a time traveling robot who is very great um in the past and Kirsten Shaw goes to the past to when she first found uh Bill and Ted because she thinks that's got to be where the robot will will will, will look for them because that's like last known spot in time mm-hmm. that they were at and that's when Bill and Ted Jr. Um, are like, we just want to help our dads write this song that they've been trying. Let's find a band to help them perform it. And so they basically take Chris and Shaw's egg time machine mm-hmm. and start going. And that's the two parallel paths of really the plot are Bill and Ted seeing themselves get older and hating their older selves. Yep. Uh, trying to cheat at writing this song. And then Bill and Ted Jr. wide-eyed trying being like our dads need help with this song we'll get them the perfect band yeah and doing kind of doing what their dads did in the first film and going back through time and picking up historic figures yes. essentially to bring them back to help but yeah but instead it's historical so so it's like they're introduced as basically having bill and ted as their dads um they just just love music and they're encyclopedic yes. and they listen to everything like they're like when their dads come home they're like listening to music in the garage and they're gushing over their their dad's crazy song at the wedding making very big references to like i'm assuming these are accurate but like world-class theremin player throat singer like man you were i could tell that like the theremin was influenced by blah 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 and like oh blah 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 was really an influence and you can see that this is something they all share but also (laughs) it 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 immediately introduces their musical bona fides which i really enjoyed how quick it was yeah definitely by being obscure like obscure instruments and then oh i know exactly where how you were influenced by those very smart writing there but anyway so so they clearly know their music and they start going back in time um and yeah so that's those are the three time traveling plot lines, but basically the two, right? So it's Bill and Ted dealing with their increasingly older selves who are not nice people that they dislike. Who they're basically it's showing them that if they continue the way they are, they not only will be alone because their wives will leave them, but they'll also become people they clearly don't like, which I think is more important. Like the the trope, like the writing is they will still be alone, and they're very much like. How do we get our wives back? But I think really what the writing is showing is these are people I don't want to be. And yeah, that that's kind much. of the under – and so I think it's really, again, good writing because like the vibe of the audience is, boy, they suck and they don't like who these people are. But we're actually in a different epistemic place mm-hmm. than the characters who are just so concerned with losing their wives, which you would be, right? If you were like – Yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, your your wife's worried about you, le- like worried about the bringing up counseling, and suddenly you're like, "Oh, I'm going to be alone." And then you see how terrible you are. You're like, "I'm never going to. I'm I'm not getting them back." And you're preoccupied with that, but subconsciously you're also like, "I don't want to be the person I'm. Be- I, I am apparently becoming." Yeah, and I I think in in terms of the three different sort of time travel elements, I think that the, the you know the wives going through time is a little bit throwaway and is much more used as a plot device to get Bill and Ted stuck at a certain point to then move into kind of like the final third of the the movie. And it felt just a bit kind of uh, not not tacked on, because I can understand why they would want to do that and, and sort of say, actually, there are, you know, our wives aren't just leaving us. There is this thing going on as well, which would, which, which makes it even more pressing in our minds 
that this thing is going to happen, which will lead to that. So we need to do something about that. Um, so it gives them motivation, but it also is just a bit of a mechanic to get them stuck at one point as well. And it doesn't, it doesn't get explored massively. It doesn't take up much time. They appear every now and again in the future, um, and see certain points, see future Bill and Ted when they're absolutely monsters of humans when they're in, uh, when they're in prison, um, and, and, and seeing sort of certain points. Uh, I, I, again, there's, there's, you were saying about how, you know, it's a really fun, and very uh, um, comedic sort of film. There are definitely things in this which I don't like. That's fair. Um, and that is that is one of them first, that they're just kind of a little bit... The, the wives are just a bit throwaway. Um, I, I don't know what they could have done additionally I, to kind of bring yeah. them in a bit more, but I wanted something else from them. So, so I, I agree. I think... Um, and that's one of the complaints one would, one ha- would have with the... Uh, older films is that the princesses in the beginning in the first movie were just sidelined yeah like they they were maybe they were but they were sidelined kind of but that was okay in the sense because they were just one of the stops Mm -hmm. uh but they weren't i think they came on the journey for a bit but didn't really say much and then in bogus journey they were again a foil of the bad robot versions are gonna break us up but then they just showed up at the end and helped play and like the the best scene, I think, from what I recall, um, don't at me, uh, is the fact that in between films they learned music or had learned music as princesses, and so they were skilled where their boyfriends weren't. Yep. Um, and then they weren't really any a big part of Bogue's journey because they weren't on the journey. But they they again felt sidelined. It's like, okay, so you've done that again. All you've done is said the kids are important now and the kids happen to be female, but you're still kind of doing that once you're a partner, you're you're just there for the male yeah. protagonist. Yeah. Um, like, it, it doesn't actually fix it by saying the the kids have their own path. And, like, the other thing I would say is everyone is... I mean, it's hard because it's Bill and Ted and they're supposed to, they're supposed to be pivotal, right? But, like, their kids don't quite seem to know they're supposed to write the world. Like, they know some stuff, right? But, like, mm. their kids are still working for them, right? Mm-hmm. Every Absolutely. part of the yeah, movie yeah. is in service of them. Um, and I do like the reveal at the end, um, which, uh, are we okay starting to talk about now? I think so, yeah. We're, we're yeah. halfway into the show. That's, yeah. not, that's not a problem. If people don't yeah. want to know. So, gonna, so basically, the reveal, which you should be able to see miles away anyway, <laughs> Absolutely, like yeah. 20 minutes, <laughs> is that the Preston and Logan who's, who performed this universe, like, unity across time now, which wasn't mentioned in the first two movies, but now it's like they will unite humanity across time. Um, mm-hmm. The Preston and Logan are... Billy and Thea, not Bill and Ted. Yep. Um, which is great, right? It, it all, I think it's the script just doesn't quite earn what it's doing in the way we were just talking about how Bill and Ted are the center and like the wives are, the wives realize that, and maybe this is why it's because like they see Bill and Ted just in shittier lives without them, but we don't get to see the stops where. Like they say, we at the very end. Sorry, I'm, I'm doing two paths, but we'll we'll stick on the wives thing. Then I'll jump back. They they say at the end, we realize the the best light timeline is this one, where we're yes. with you right now, which doesn't really make sense because except they see that Bill and like we only ever see the stops where they intersect with Bill and Ted, and Bill and Ted's lives are worse. We don't see what their lives would be without mm-hmm. Bill and Ted, yes. and maybe I wouldn't be surprised if a couple scenes were on the cutting room floor. To keep it around ninety minutes, but what it comes off as is, we wouldn't want you guys to be to turn into drunkards and prison ex cons, etc., or something. Um, so we'll stay here, mm. uh, and it really makes it feel like they are just sort of being martyrs for Bill and Ted. Not yeah. that this is something yeah. that's great for their personal happiness, uh, and and I think it's it feels unearned because of that. And in the same way, like, because of that sidelining, because everything is Bill and Ted-centric, which part of it, I think they're the writers are trying to, like, that 
switch, if it's actually the kids, is like supposed to be, oh, right, it's not. Life isn't just around these two dudes, even mm-hmm. though we all think it is. Um, but it doesn't do enough to earn more than I guess we were wrong when I feel yeah. like the script is trying to say that it's trying to do this handoff to the young generation can maybe save the world. Like that's clearly what they're doing. And also the saviors of the world can be young females. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Right. But it's not, it just comes, it just, it feels like not enough is done in the plot of the film to earn that as not tokenism, I guess is the and, one pl- place. And, and, and another point, uh, something that I very much wrote down was that the, the historic musical figures that they go through time to get, Jimi Hendrix, Louis Armstrong, yep. uh, um, Mozart, Mozart, but then just two historical figure, two historical female musicians that maybe big. Uh, it's uh, Ling Ling Lun, who yeah, I have no, I've never heard of, and then just a cave woman who drums, who may be a historic figure, but I've got no idea. I've heard of the blokes, I don't yeah. know these. I mean, these part of that ones. is is this the thing they're again trying to push against right is like most of us think of huge um historical musical figures from a eurocentric historical point of view um so they do this throwaway line where they say like mozart says she's the best flautist or whatever Mm -hmm. and they didn't know she was female yes yeah which i thought was cool right but then she obviously, I mean, I get it. It's hard to write because they, they barely get, Mo, Mozart gets a fair few lines in German given mm-hmm. that, but then she did gets like one line in Chinese. Yep. And then she, so this is where I don't like, so like, okay, Mozart knows history. I don't know enough about, I didn't remember what date it was, but it's like, sure, he might know this is an amazing flute composer or Chinese composer or whatever. Cause surely he wouldn't know about like proficiency on the instrument because it, there's no recordings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yes. So he knows this is a famous uh, flautist. But then she says, then they do another throw line where like she says that this is the best drummer ever, but it's 14,000 BC. You're like, okay, now you're taking the piss and yep. you're and you're just doing this African drumming savagery thing, mm. which I get like part of it, like, yeah, African drumming has very quote-unquote tribal thing and like yes it's probably the earliest point in music arguably comes from there and i get it but it just again it came across because the ties were so like loose again it's just like oh yeah he he knows about this flautist and she knows about something she couldn't possibly know about it just comes across as well we need to write in more tokens. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I, I wondered whether there were, uh, you know, more uh, female musicians, I suppose, as well known as, say, Hendrix or Louis Armstrong. But a lot of them are singers, which this yeah. isn't centered around. So you can yeah, have like, like Ella James or Billie Holiday or Ella yeah. James. You can have people like that uh, because it doesn't focus on the, um, you know, on that side of things. It has to be someone who plays an instrument. And I'm sure there are people out there who can throw me a lot of very proficient female. Um, I mean, it's, it's it's tough because but history it's, has it's, been it's, patriarchal, it, right? Absolutely, and it's it's being able to have your audience recognise Hendrix, hugely recognisable, Louis Armstrong again, massive. You could have then picked whoever you wanted, really. After that, yeah. Um, but yeah, again, another element I think of a little bit of tokenism in that by just throwing in those other couple of characters kind of i think if they gave them more agency than tagalongs and Mm -hmm. i get it that the language barrier is hard to write around but it it, that would have made it feel less like tokenism and more like effort i guess is the thing right like if you um yeah if you if you made something happen of significance to the plot by these two people not that they're just doing flute and i mean the best the best to be honest, like the drumming being central to the beginning of the song and throughout and a lot of cutaways to the drummer was the yeah. most any of those, except for like a couple of solos, right? Like um, was the most that in the song a musician really mattered. Death mm-hmm. was prominent and like the percussion was pro- prominent, right? Yeah. Um, and but yeah, again, outside of that, they could have been anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's sort of soured um, me. Uh, 
But anyway, uh, so, so yeah, I, I agree. Those that's probably the like token, not quite real feminism feels weren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sucks because they clearly, I think they were trying. I just don't yeah. think that they yeah. had taken their blinders off fully or really recognized how much sidelining like even the fact that like the older female um the older women uh the the princesses that's their name um never got a line they were just like in makeup waving from afar made their journey whole journey seem stupid right it seems like we don't really care we're not even zooming we're not even cutting to a real like there's the one explanation like they're like the princesses look outside of the window and the therapists and they see the like the wave like oh that's older us. We got to go. Yeah, and then go, you yeah. just see them jump in and go. And like, except for like one or two scenes where it's like when Bill and Ted are in the same spot, that the two booths are beside each other, that they, we have any sort of close up. And you're like, if you can do Bill and Ted with their old people having a real conversation, like, again, it might be cutting room floor stuff, but that's not great for the editing then. Cause it really just cut that entire mm. path. Yes. Um, so we'll we'll move on to kind of I suppose uh, the, the 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 final part of the movie, and we yeah. we, we get um, sort of in the middle where um, younger Bill and Ted or th- a female Bill and Ted, the daughters, are traveling through time, and they have to go to to see Jimi Hendrix, and he doesn't want to come with them, so they go to Louis Armstrong. He's amazed that they've got this phone and that they've taken a recording of Hendrix, so he's like, "Yeah, I'll come and see this guy," and they go back to Hendrix, who then agrees, and their sort of journey progresses through that, but. Yeah, and that's like they... the most classic Bill and Ted thing. Yes, yes. But it, yeah. it feels a little bit sort of short-lived because there's all of this other stuff going on. And they arrive kind of back ready to start recording and then pretty swiftly get killed and sent yeah. to hell by this absolutely ridiculous robot who yeah, constantly so... makes errors all of the time. Yeah, so I think I think let's go, go back because... The, we, the first time the robot goes back in time, it's when – so Bill and Ted first go two years back and they see sort of divorced Bill two and years Ted playing – Sorry, forward, yeah. Yes. Right. Sorry. Time. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> uh, so they go for to 2022 and, and they meet jerk Bill and Ted who are freshly divorced and drinking and playing in bars. And then they go five years ahead and they meet Bill and Ted with faux English accents who are – pretending to be successful and giving them a copy of a Dave Grohl song because they're just stealing Dave Grohl's house and want Bill and house. Ted yep. to, to basically play a Dave Grohl single and, get, and just get famous. Not unite the world, but at least life will be better. Mm. Um, and that's when the robot comes and attacks them and accidentally kills Ted's dad, who's currently chief of police and running a SWAT team, to finally get arrest them because they're just that deadbeats because they've broken a Dave Grohl's house. house. Yeah, and and they it's a lovely scene because like Deacon, uh, the the brother is like you can't shoot Ted dad, <laughs> and he's like you've gone too far. Um, which is very much like Ted's dad is always a little like, over the top. Um, mm-hmm. you're deadbeats, you're useless, you're losers. But then Ted's dad and the SWAT van behind him get shot because. The ro- so this is, so the robot comes and is aiming at the phone booth and he shoots the phone booth disappears and then the robot kills Ted's dad and and destroys the van just disintegrates it and that's and then it's the first time so you only ever see the robot is just like Terminator style and then the robot just shifty eyes and you're like oh <laughs> so good and then you see uh, so then Bill and Ted uh, young Bill and Ted yeah Billy and Thea come yep. back in time with all these musicians and they open the garage to, so everyone can start learning the instrument, modern instruments. And then they just all get vaporized um, by the robot who then goes, oops, or something <laughs> like that. And it's just like, oh no. And they're like, oh, everyone died and go, went to hell. Mm-hmm. And well, then I, I think they did it just on that. I think they did a good uh, point to turn the robot from this, and it never appeared to be this, you know, supervillain that was very threatening, really, at any point. And for them to kind of take it and be like, well, it's kind of this throwaway thing chasing them through time. It doesn't seem to do anything. And then giving it this sort of comedy twist, I thought was very good. 
and the way that it actually then uh, uh, plays out further with the with the robot. Um, you know, giving them his name when he real, you know, when he realizes it, and really realizing that he's kind of got emotions and or, or some and kind of sense of emotions. Yeah, uh, does does work very well, and it is they are kind of the more like laugh out loud moments of the film, I think, as well. It's that unexpected oh. element where you're just like, ah, uh, so it, it kind of it yeah. does work. It does seem a little bit sort of cheesy. I think the first time I'm like. Uh, I can kind of see where this might go, but then yeah. it did, you know it was it was. So, yeah. so I think the best moments with the robot were um, the first couple times where he's like struggling, and you're like, "How far are they going to take this?" And then they lean yeah. into it, which I think is probably the right thing from a writing standpoint because you can't hold that like level of tension; you have to let the damn break. Um, the next time we see him is after they go visit their ancient selves, who give them a USB key. Preston Logan M forty six. 7.17 p.m., which is the nexus point. They're like, cool, we have the song. And then the robot comes and says, uh, and so that's this when the old, they, old versions of the yeah. princesses steal the, the phone booth so that they can show the younger, well, the middle-aged princesses, all the, you know, they take them on the supposed tour of, of, of you know, terrible lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the robot comes and says, I have to kill you. And they're like, you know, we have to like, We've got the song. You don't have to kill me. And like, oh, okay. And then they realize that. Uh, and then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry. And he gets super timid. Like, now that you have the song, uh, I it just mistakes were made, and uh, I killed your family. Killed, yeah, kind of killed your your kids. And they're like, kill us. We need to go to hell because we've been there before uh, to save our kids. And he's like, oh, I I can't do that. You have the, the song. So then they break the USB key, and he's like, actually, I really don't think I can kill people anymore. Mm. Um, which is kind of great. Uh, so he then goes to kill himself. He goes to kill himself, and they jump on the um, jump on him, jump on him, and they die. Uh, and then, but we do see the princesses see them kill themselves. Mm-hmm. Yes, right before. So they jump to hell, and now they're tracking through hell, which is very good, low budget, like mm. like just corridors that have styrofoam that's painted brown and the, for the, most the of two- it. The two demons as well, like oh, yeah. very good, like super deadpan. Like there's a robot in hell. Yeah, yeah. Huh. That's just weird. Very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when we learn. So then the robot appears because he's thus he's killed himself as well. The robot appears and he tells them his name is uh, Caleb McCoy. Oh, Dennis. 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 Dennis McCoy. Oh wait, Dennis Caleb McCoy. And we find out that the mom named the robot after Kirsten Shaw, her daughter's. Ex-boyfriend, yeah. and it's just that's my one of my favorite throwaway lines of the movie because it's so unneeded and so yep. hilarious. And then he becomes this weird, self-effacing, unsure, mm-hmm. but wants to be part of the gang loser bot that they like humor because they're nice guys. But then every time he starts to like ramble, they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we're done, cool." And like that's where he gets a little grating, but he's supposed to be. But I, I think writing wise, I get it. Yes. Yeah. And that. So. So. Yeah. So now they have to go visit Death. Um, and Death turns out Death was part of the band for a long time, and then they had a falling out because fame went to his head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they have, and it's 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 played by William Stad, Stadler. Stadler. What's his name? Stad Sadler, right? Stadler is the guy from Muppets. Stadler and Waldorf. William Sadler uh, played who who's reprising his role. Which is fine because he was in a lot of makeup and balded there before, mm-hmm. um, and they you know they get no headway, and that's when um, Billy and Thea like use their musical knowledge to like swoon over Death's albums to get him to join the band. Yes, yeah, uh, which I thought was really cool because again, it's, mm-hmm. it's reminding us they have musical bona fides and that they really love music, right? Because yes. they've actually listened to these terrible albums of Deaths that he they must have known him as kids, right? And they yeah, sort of, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but also at this point, I think one thing we've missed I wanted to touch on was um, what did you think of Billy and Thea? We have sort of like, yes, not um, really talked about them as characters. And I think we're, we're, we're it's a good point to sort of jump back to, to them. Yeah, I, um, I kind of I liked I liked them, but I felt that it was like they were super overplayed and they were just a little bit too trying to capture that 
that naivety and sort of almost not not dumbness of young Bill and Ted from the original films, but it was almost trying to mirror them then. Uh, rather than them being their own kind of characters, I think. They, they were trying a bit too hard to get you to feel that way about them. Like, oh, it's it's just them. It's exactly them, as yeah. their daughters are exactly them. And I think they would have been a little bit better served to be like, no, they're a little bit different. And I, I think especially um, Thea, it was just, it's the way she's like, uh, yeah, uh. And she's kind of like, oh, just, just great to little bit. I think you could have, it could have just been a little bit better uh, in terms yeah. of kind of the way that, not the way that the characters played, it was it was played how, you know, the direction was was kind of provided in the way that it was written. But I think just more that it, it could have been written a little bit better in how they were presented and how they came across. Yeah, so I felt kind of the opposite in the first few scenes. I'm like, especially with uh, Billy, Billy does a, like, the the like slight tongue curl or uh, lip curls the like mm. the affectation is pretty spot on yeah um and i thought it was smart that they didn't make them say whoa and excellent a bunch yes. but they had but like billy uh is doing a bill and ted impression and doing a good one uh and thea the blonde one just in case yep. we're getting confused um mm. isn't doing as well as one but then i feel like again because of that, they made her much more silent. So most yes, of yes. the scenes with Bill and Ted are Billy. And I think it's because Billy's doing a more interesting impression. Uh, but that's where, like, after a few few scenes, I'm kind of like, okay, I like the I like the idea of you doing this. And I, I have noticed that you're not just doing, like, an impersonation. But mm. I agree. They lean really hard into it. And it sucks because... At times, I think it it works against the personas that are being developed. Yes, like they're too busy being like dude rhetoric, if not dude the word, right? That they mm-hmm. aren't able to like just. I want them to be gushing over Mozart more or something, right? Or just doing something that's clearly we were raised with music and the idea that music could save the world. And yeah, we got our. We were raised by these Valley Boys from the from the eighties and nineties, so we we kind of talk like them. But we're not just them, right? We're mm-hmm. like our own people. Yeah, you know. And it's yeah. just not. It, I, again, I thought I, I really liked it for most of the film, and then by the end, I'm, I, I think it's because those other bits of agency, et cetera, were also sort of had popped in mind. And I'm like, actually, the impersonation, affectation stuff is too strong um mm-hmm. liked it for the most part and again i i think i really liked billy uh, as an actress and like doing that role i thought it was really well done uh even out beyond that but then i realized oh right the reason why i'm like ah she's so good and i'm not saying that about thea is because she got all the lines that on the yeah. uh, like thea really didn't get very many lines and I'm, i don't i'm surprised i would be surprised if they wrote it that way mm. Um, but it's definitely how they edited it and it kind of sucks because then Thea becomes a lot of like reactions. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. not, not like, like you said, not a lot of content and because, and I think it sucks because, uh, Samara Weaving didn't seem to be doing a, an impression of Bill or Ted necessarily, but I can't tell because mm. there's so few lines of substance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of again it's that element that they're utilized to 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 tell you that this is Bill and Ted's kind of story even though in the conclusion it's the girls who are the ones who you know you know come I mean, up they... with the song and and kind of edit everyone together getting them to do their sort of bits but it was still kind of you know it's still pushing you to think of Bill and Ted rather than the girls as such yeah, I mean, I think the I think the main problem is like it goes from you wrote this song that united the world to they had a good improv set, like they knew how to stitch things together, which is hard, right? I'm not, yeah, but it doesn't have the same gravitas, I think. Um, and also, I this is a, I mean, this I think is a really te- th- big tension. Ultimately, I think it's the right way they had to do it, which is the reason why it 
stitched humanity together was because they got they Bill and Ted go th- basically use quantum mechanics to be in not quite infinite because that's not how that works, guys. That's still a finite number of places and times where people need instruments. They give instruments to everyone throughout time. Uh, who who can now because of the collapse of of everything of reality can hear the music being played at MP forty six, and so they. Bill and Ted instead leave the stage to go give instruments with, with them and their wives. Go give instruments to everyone. Mm-hmm. And all that all um, they really needed was the key and the tempo, essentially. Yeah, yeah, and, and then yeah, yeah. Which fine, you know what? Fine, Deus ex musica. Um, but like again, it's a good way of highlighting that they weren't needed. Mm. They were pragmatically needed, but not needed on the stage, even though at the end of the song they come and do their solos. But, yes. like, the fact, the, the the key here, I think, that I was trying to get to, um, not the time signature, um, was uh, that they, it wasn't such an, a magnificent song, because no, mm-hmm. that, like, because that's like the, the part that's always the most skeptical part of you with Bill and Ted's is like, there's just magic song. Like, I love music, but come on. But the fact that they, Time was breaking apart and everyone could experience this shared moment, which mm-hmm. I like because that's kind of why hearing music live versus listening to an al- in a crowd versus listening to an album is a is a fundamentally different and more transformative experience. And that's yeah. kind of, I feel like, what they were doing. It was like, And I think that's why the nexus of reality and time falling apart was actually a smart move, given that the way they're explaining the magic song is that it was a magic shared experience and mm-hmm. that everyone was involved and not just passive. Yeah. Really cool idea. Um, but again, it sort of makes whoever happened, it, it puts all the work on everyone else, which is smart, but then it also makes Bill and Ted juniors less important. But I don't, I think that's a fine ish trade off. But again, with all the other weird stuff, it's like this, mm-hmm. that moment of, Oh, it's you guys. We're going to yes. be back up for you. Like that handing of the torch almost, which then isn't really... Yeah, I feel like that tension... Yeah. Like, I, I like why they did the way thing. Like, I like the end move, but then all the build-up to the torch passing doesn't work in light of the ending, and that's what kind of was less good. Mm. Yes. Um, I think we should start to think about our kind of final thoughts uh, on the film. We've rolled through the story. I know, Adol, you wanted to talk about the soundtrack. A little bit. So a little bit maybe, yeah. we can, maybe we can stop in there before we uh, before we finish up. Yeah. Um, oh, one last thing, character wise. Yeah. Um, Kid Cudi, because we we, oh, yes. we 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 said we were talking we about alluded it in the to beginning. Him, yeah. uh, so before we like go to almost final thoughts, um, Kid Cudi, hilarious. They have him unstuck in time. And he appears right at the right moment to join the crew to then die. Die. So that yeah. Um, <laughs> And he just, again, a really nice tropey thing. They make him just know a lot about quantum physics. But also, again, they have this throwaway discussion where Bill and Te- Bill, Billy and Thea are talk- chatting with um, Kid Cudi, and they all seem to understand quantum theory. Yep. He's like, I think it's this thing. And he's like, oh, are you sure it's not this thing? He's like, nah, I think it's this thing. And like, you really understand the quantum theory of our circumstance or whatever. And you're like, cool. That also... That's some interesting things. So, like, they're not like dumb high school almost dropouts. Like, they're they're dads, unexplored, um, yeah, completely. And they have him like exp- so. Then they he's the one who explains to Bill and Ted that sort of he they did. I mean, spoiler alert: if you know even a little bit about these things, he doesn't explain anything on how they can be infinite and and hand out all these instruments from who knows when, um, and really fun. And I like the idea of putting modern music, but he doesn't get to. Because it's just sort of like a improvisational riffing thing, and he's primarily known for his vocal stuff, and he can't be the singer of the big song. Yes. He kind of just says, sing along, and everyone says, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. And I was like, well, that's kind of a waste of Kid Cudi. Mm. Like, maybe he could help them mix, but of course they have to be mixing. Um, I liked it. I thought it was great to have someone kind of 2020 relevant. Absolutely. And I think, again, underutilized, they could have had like a hook. They could have had something just rather than just a noise. Uh, they could have had just a, a line, something, well, something. To be honest, because he's do. a vocalist, like if they had had him join the gang a little sooner, then maybe he's him 
beatboxing or doing something melodically out loud because they don't have instruments with them when they're traveling really mm. for one of the non-English speaking uh, to convince one of the non-English speaking people like, oh, I know music. I speak, we speak the musical language would have mm-hmm. been kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but what I realized in this discussion, which is one of the reasons I wanted to go back to it is, um, you know, what would be actually less faux feminist tokenism if they got a modern female artist in that spot who was playing the unexpectedly super smart science person. Yeah. Cause He's not super smart at science, as far as I know. That's a joke. Um, but giving a female artist of similar renown, and I'm sure it's hard because, again, like you have to have you have to get a famous person to agree. But like, yes. And I don't know if they tried other people, but that would have been that was a much larger role, mm. and it was also an innate plot enabling role because it they constantly both timelines pivoted on the advice of this person. And so even though it's a smaller role, want, it feels more less token, absolutely. right? And it would have, you know, you want that unexpected. One of the, one of the, not to deviate too far out of this, but one of the scenes that I always remember from Wayne's World is Alice Cooper giving them all of this information about the Native Americans that live in the area and why the state is called what it is and all this sort of stuff. And, and coming across, you know, you, you're getting this unexpected line from him. And uh, yeah, as you say, I think have that, that's, it's, it's a great little role for someone to sort of to sit in and I think had it have been someone you know you could have got like maybe they couldn't have got maybe they approached and you could have had yeah. like Beyonce or Lady Gaga oh, yeah, or Beyonce someone like but... massive or brought it down a little bit and found someone else to come and fill that role you get Britney Spears in there mate just yeah. come in and just throw all of this like knowledge down um, I think yes would have would have added a little bit again because yeah it's it, it very much felt and it's hard because like the leader the supreme leader of the future is is a woman mm-hmm. uh but she's also wrong but again you don't want them always to you can't have people in power who representing minorities always be right that isn't what i'm saying yeah. but yeah. i i feel like she didn't all of it together feels like well we got to like again felt a little too tokenistic just because of the amount of lines and like roles etc and like again, the I don't know if this movie passes the Bechdel test because it's all about Bill and Ted, right? Like, yeah, yeah. that's weird for a movie that's saying that it's not these old middle-aged white dudes who actually have the impact. It's these young twenty-year-old, twenty-four-year-old women. Mm-hmm. That's weird, right? The fact that all their lines are primarily to male historical people. About their dads needing to help their dads. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know we're running low on time. So uh, I just wanted to say I thought the best part of the soundtrack was how understated it was. There's some really good old like classic tracks, etc. Uh, but they don't play a lot of like strong music that's like in the front of the scenes during the film, Very which much, means when yes. they finally, when they hit things like uh, Jimi Hendrix or Louis Armstrong or Mozart playing mm-hmm. like diegetically, um, you're like, Oh, right. Because, and I think it's, it, it, I started paying attention about halfway through just how much of the score was happening in a way that was not obvious, like, or like understated and how much of a impact that made the actual musical scenes. And it's not like they were boring scored scenes. It's just like the sound direction was very much, I'm going to do the sound, but not but not make you super aware that sound is happening, scoring is happening. I thought yes. that was really, really well done. Yeah. How about you? What did, do I, you have I, any... I agree. I agree. Um, I, I think, as you say, it made that much more impactful than when the musicians were, were playing. Uh, that we didn't have like constant songs over the top of stuff or in transitions and, and things that were like pushed forward. That it wasn't hitting like, you know, 80s rock songs or even 90s. You know, it wasn't hitting those moments which you think, right, it's a Bill and Ted film. We Maybe there's going to be some kind of killer soundtrack uh, to go along. And there might be a killer soundtrack. They might have licensed a lot of songs to go on a soundtrack. They didn't appear kind of within the film or even prominent. Uh, within that so yeah it makes that a bit more impactful when the musicians are doing what they're doing it makes you really sit there and be like yes this is someone that they should be getting 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and the other thing is just that they they built while stallions are are like a hair metal type thing. The mm-hmm. earlier right, and instead the the soundtrack is much more modern. Like uh, the um, the the music director John Leahy uh, involved like so uh, basically said. The electric guitar moved past hair metal, so let's acknowledge the intervening 20 years. Yeah. 30 years. And so it's Weezer, Mastodon, Lamb of God are like the the actual bands that like Mm -hmm. bigger names of bands that are on the soundtrack that are also in the like influences in the diegetic, the actual on-screen electric guitar with the exception of – I can't remember and I couldn't find the article just now, but – who they got to play the air guitar, but it's very much the hair metal air guitar – like classic staple of Bill and Ted's, right? When things are going their way, they both turn and they do air guitar. But on, yeah, but on, uh, but to us, we actually hear someone noodling on a guitar, which is yes. always great, right? Because that's what you hear in your head, and you're you're with Bill and Ted, and they're like, right? And like that part has not changed a bit. I mean, like they could have used the same cuts from the first movie. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they didn't. But like it's the exact same style of music. But then the rest of the Including like during the the face of music or whatever they call the the, the final number, um, it's it's much more aesthetically modern electric yes. guitar, yeah, which I much. think again is a really smart thing because twenty years has passed, mm-hmm. and like we just don't do hair metal as much. Well, some people don't come around my house on a Friday night. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, so let's uh, let's finish there. Let's just have a little uh, kind of recap on just our general thought of the film. Um, f- for me, it is a fun little romp. There's a few kind of laugh out loud moments. It does have some issues, and I think maybe this is much more geared towards us, towards people who enjoyed Bill and Ted um, you know, back in the day. I'm not sure this is going to, you know, as a sort of a standalone film that many people are going to be like, I'm going to go and watch this film now that I've found it, knowing absolutely nothing about Bill and Ted whatsoever. How about you? Um, I think I am of the same opinion. Um, <laughs> I I like this movie. Again, while watching it, um, the, the tokenism stuff kind of came up, but mostly mm-hmm. it's real fun to watch. And yeah. Uh, it really stood out just because they were it, it very much felt like they were trying to make this point of handing off from middle-aged men to young 20 something also thought it was great that they were 24 and still living at home cuz that's millennials yeah right like we we aren't in the position of like having our own houses etc for the most part right like and uh, as an older millennial like i i thought that was really smart cuz that's the generation transfer that like makes the most sense Mm. Uh, and uh, I thought that was really smart and I really liked it and it's just like uh, under a closer examination those themes felt a little hollow just because of like all, all these choices we, we, we touched on um, but I really liked it um, I actually think the way we watched it might be ideal If so if you were never a fan of Bill and Ted I think you can't watch this without at least watching Excellent Journey Bogus or Excellent Adventure Bogus Journey yes. wow Um if you were and you even remember remember things remotely like like their valley la boy um vacantness and uh the way they spoke etc it's probably enough to watch this and, and enjoy it um it's very popcorn uh feel good just yeah. like easy to watch i i recommend it but like it's not a giant feminist statement and it's uh and the feminist statement slash transition it doesn't even have to be feminist if you don't like the term right but i mean don't get me started on that but like the the idea of actually maybe it isn't that generation of of people and it's the new generation we have to put our trust in and they might be able to save things that's a good message regardless yeah as long as you are okay with that not sort of sort of like you said having those directorial editorial um suboptimal follow through uh i think it's still a good message and i think ultimately like it's something you can grab some popcorn and throw on with your family and just enjoy um yeah yeah could it have been better yeah but was it bad no like at no point even though we were being quite i think it's because it 
it's seeing the potential and not quite living it up to it is why we were picking mm. on those things. But it's it's yes. not like it, it the 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 moms were really sidelined. But like, and yeah, it probably doesn't pass the Bechdel test. But it's it's trying to at least pivot in the right direction, and and mm-hmm. and it's fun. So I I'd say recommend. Yeah, yeah, I would as well. Uh, with those slight caveats, uh, it is one just to throw on on a Friday night when you've got nothing else to do. Uh, and relive a little bit of your youth if you are fans of uh, of Bill and Ted through that. Uh, yeah, so that Bill and Ted face the music. Um, what are we doing for the rest of the week? Um, we've got some streams here on our Out of Lives um, Twitch channel, which you'll probably see uh, again on our YouTube channel too, Out of Lives Network. Uh, Adam, what are you playing this week? You're doing a lunch, you're doing a first look stream tomorrow. Yes, I believe I'm playing Deep Sea. Oh, Dune Sea. Dune Sea. Dune Sea. Yeah. Yes. Um, we will also have uh, Tanks Up one evening this week. It's normally Tuesdays. might be changed this week, uh, dependent on availability. Uh, I may stream Wednesday. I don't know yet. I've got a meeting in the morning. Who knows if I'll be back. We'll see. I usually stream on my lunch breaks on a Wednesday. I might have my lunch break in the car this week. Who knows when that's actually going to um, to happen. Uh, and then Radari uh, will be back on Friday evening as well, uh, as he was last week and the week before. So you can also go to outoflives.net to look at articles and all those things. Follow us on the socials, which is outoflives.net on Twitter, I believe. Uh, and we've got an Out of Lives Network Facebook page too. Uh, join us here on a Monday every week or go to your podcast service of choice where you can listen to the other episodes of Geek Out Weekly. Uh, that's it from me. I'm at Nova underscore 47. Adol, how do people chat to you? I'm at the Omniarch on all of the things. Perfect. And that is us for another week. We will catch you hopefully next week. Bye. Ciao. www.outoflives.net